This is Engage 2.0. Welcome back to Engage 2.0. I'm your host, Brother Edie, and joining me is my co-host, Brother Colin. So good to be here with you, Brother Edie, once again. We are in our series, The Sabbath, and we are going into our new subtopic for today, The Sabbath in the Old Testament. So you don't want to miss this episode. So before we go any further, we're going to ask Brother Colin to send us off into a word of prayer. Brother Colin. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this blessing. I thank you for this opportunity to share the word with someone that, that might be of need. We pray that your spirit touch their heart as we elaborate on these words and these thoughts. We ask that you give us the strength and your spirit be with us to guide us and strengthen us. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Did God give the Sabbath on Mount Sinai for the Jews only and not for the Christians? If so, then the commandment thou shalt not steal as well as the others, were for the Jews only. All of these commandments would be Jewish if the Sabbath is Jewish. The Bible says the Sabbath was made for man. Mark 2.27 So with that introduction, let us go into our questions for the day. Question number one. What was the regulation in Israel during their wilderness journey regarding breaking the Sabbath? Let us look at Numbers chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. Numbers chapter 15, verses 30 to 31. It says, But the soul that doeth ought presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproaches the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord, and has broken his commandment, that his soul uttered be cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. The marginal reference for presumptuously reads with a high hand, and it has the meaning of knowingly, obstinately, or defiantly. This way of dealing with those who broke the law applied to any of the commandments. At this time, Israel was a theocracy which meant the church and the government were one, and God was the direct ruler. Hence, moral as well as civil violations were punished directly. This helped us to see God's attitude towards sin, and what the ultimate judgment on sin will be. So the key is that we have to realize in this text that one thing is key highlight. Anyone that breaks God's law will be cut off. It means that the law is still binding. So you cannot run away from that. Um, we would like to run away from it. We like to say it's changed. We like to say that God's law is being replaced. But that's not the case. God's law does not be done away with. It shall stand forever. Amen. So let's look at question number two. Was Sabbath breaking as serious as breaking any other of the commandments? Let us look at Numbers chapter 15 verses 32 through 36. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathered sticks brought him unto Moses, unto Aaron, and unto all the congregation. 
and they put him in the inward, because it was not declared what shall be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with a stone without, within the, without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. It was not merely for gathering sticks on the Sabbath that the man was punished. It was because he had despised the word of the Lord. Read Numbers chapter 15 verse 31. So let's look at Numbers 15 verse 31. And it says, Because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. His gathering of the sticks showed his contempt for God. Moses, however, put the man in the ward until a decision should be made. Much was at stake. Would the Sabbath take its place with the other commandments? God gave the decision. The Sabbath was as important as the other commandments. What a lesson for us. May we never speak lightly of or defiantly break God's Sabbath. I, I want to highlight something before you go on. Uh, verse 35 and 36, but it's something rather interesting. It says, before he had despised because he has despised the word of the Lord. And we see that today, a lot of people are rejecting the word of God because they want to what, have their own way and have broken his commandment that they saw what be utterly cut off. And we think that today when we break God's commandment that we will not be cut off. This same thing that happened back then is still applied today. Why? Because the word of God is what still binding. His iniquity shall be upon them. That means you will carry your own sin. You're not going to get away with that. You're going to be held accountable for your actions. And it goes on and says, because of that action, there's still a judgment. And because God's grace and mercy have hit our lives, we still want to, we think that we're going to get away with it. But listen, when verse 35 and 36, they were the point that will happen. And we call it the judgment. This and the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. You will be put to death because what? And verse 31 says, His iniquity shall be upon them. Because your iniquities will still be upon you, you will, verse 35, you'll be, the Lord Moses said, Then shall the, the man shall surely be put to death. All the congregations shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregations brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died, as the Lord commanded Moses. In other words, let me break it down for you a little more. He says, and the Lord said unto Moses, we're going to skip that part, we're just going to say this, the man shall be be surely put to death. And it goes on, and it goes on here, it says, and he died, as the Lord commanded. Right. I also want to make a point on that. In Numbers chapter 15, verse 31, it said, because he had despised the word of the Lord, right? So I want us to keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Now, let us go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. I'm not going to read. I'm actually going to start from verse 3, because I want to highlight a point here. They talk about despise the word of the Lord. And when the tempter came to him, Jesus is in the wilderness now, being tempted of the devil after he was baptized of John in the Jordan, and the, and the scripture says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Now, this is the encounter with Satan and Jesus in the wilderness, right? And verse 3 of Matthew 4 says, 
And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, notice it said the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now watch Jesus' response very carefully. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, that might sound like something new, but Jesus here is quoting from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And I'm going to read it. And it says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers knew, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go by what is written in the scripture and live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now keep that now. The word of the Lord, the man despised in Numbers chapter 15 and 31. Jesus is telling us that we should live by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of his father. Because Satan asks, if you are the son of God. So Jesus now is saying we should live by every word that comes from his father. Now I want us to go to Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20 in verse 1, we're going to see something very significant. Now this is now at the point of Mount Sinai. And we're going to see now who's going to speak here. And God spake all these words saying. It opens up in Exodus chapter 20. It opens up by saying God spake all these words. And as you read Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 through 11. Is where the Sabbath comes in. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou live and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter. Nor thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle. Nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth. The sea and all that in them is. And rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And we, we talked about in our last program also the interchanging of Sabbath and the, and, and the Sabbath day naming. And it's the same thing. You know, it's like me saying, oh, Colin, let me show you my car. And I'll say, well, you know, you like my Lexus. You know, I'm interchanging car for Lexus, but they're talking about the very same thing. So here now we learned that this gentleman whom God told Moses to stone, was breaking the very words that came out of God's mouth. And, and we saw that Jesus told us in Matthew 4 that we are to live by every word that came out of the mouth of God. And many people do not realize that it was God who spoke these very words. I just think it's amazing how, how we, can, we can see that it is God here who is implementing these things and it's not man, it's not Moses. So I'm, I'm just happy that the scripture bears this out so we can actually go back and, and take a look at these things and know for a, cert, uh, for a surety that this is, this is no working of man, but this is all the will of God. Question number three. For what did Ezekiel say God had given the Sabbath? Let us go to Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 10 through 12. Therefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes, and I showed them my judgment, which if a man do, 
you shall even live in them. Moreover, also I give them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctified them. There is great significance in Ezekiel's statement that the Sabbath is a sign of sanctification. Breaking the Sabbath is a symptom which reveals an attitude toward all the commandments. It is a rejection of or rebellion against God. The proper observance of it is the sign of obedience to God. I wanted to add on that note right there. One point that you started read, you read it just recently. It says here, it's a, that, and verse 12, and moreover, also I give them my Sabbath. God gives us the Sabbath for a purpose, and to be a, well, a sign between me and them. That's, that's purpose one. The other part of the purpose is that they might know that I am the Lord and sanctify them. So it is God who makes us holy. And where do we make us holy? In the Sabbath. So when you say you're not going to be a part of the Sabbath, you're saying that you don't want to be holy. <laughs> you don't want to be purified. You don't want to be um, righteous with God. So, how could you be righteous if you're not keeping God's Sabbath? How could you be holy if you're not keeping God's Sabbath? How could you be a part of God if you're not keeping the Sabbath? That means you are not a part of Him. And we have to be very specific on that with Sabbath too, because now we have another Sabbath that is out there. It's the seven-day Sabbath that is recognized by the Bible. And you can find us in Genesis chapter 1, 2, which is 1, I mean, 2 and 3. So we don't want us to be confused. Once you keep the seven-day Sabbath, that's where God, the day that God hollow, left, and sanctified. So there's no other day, there's no other way that you can be sanctified unless you come into God's Sabbath with Him. It, it, to put it to what you're saying, if I am the child of God, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to do as God says. Simple as that. Jesus just told us in Matthew 4 that we have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We, we really have to pay attention to these things. In fact, I want to draw our attention to the same text in Ezekiel chapter 20 in verse 11. There's a word that I want us to recognize. In the Hebrew, the word man there is H120 or H120. In the Hebrew, um, the transliteration is Adam. Sounds like Adam. And it means man, mankind, human being. There's a reason why I bring that up. It's because we think it's for the Jews. But that's not the conversation here or the word here specifying a Jew. It says man. Right? So, with that being said now, let's read Exodus chapter 20 verse 11. It says, And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man, Adam, individual, human being, do, he shall live in them moreover i gave them mankind my sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they may know that i am the lord that sanctify them you, you, you see that so here the lord is telling us i sanctify you i made you for a holy purpose as he made the sabbath remember we said in our first broadcast uh, on the sabbath that God did something intentional. He made man intentionally. He made the Sabbath intentionally, that he can spend time. And so, with this being said, Ezekiel is highlighting something very important. It's not just for the Jews, it's for all mankind. As you mentioned the text in Genesis chapter 
2 verses 1, 2, and 3, we're gonna I'm gonna read that into record. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. So notice now, everything that God had done to the seventh day was sanctified. Everything. Because in it, he had rested from all his work which, he, which God created and made. And then verse 4, which is the crux of it, says, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. And so it tells us, or that word there um, in the Hebrew is toledor. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, so I'm trying to do justice to these meanings. But it, it means genealogies, generations, proceedings, descendants. So anything Adam would have, would have learned, it would have been in the garden. Because God is the ultimate parent. He's the ultimate father. And Adam would have been his child and Eve. And they would have learned everything that God had done. Remember, Adam and Eve, or Adam and the woman, Eve was the name given after she had, they had sinned. Everything that they had, what God had done with them is the sixth day. The seventh day would have been the day that they saw God actually put into play. And so they would have known to rest on that day as God had rest. Not because he was tired, but because he wanted to show them from their labor they were to come and dwell with him. That's what it means. He wants to tabernacle with, with them. And I think that is so beautiful how the scriptures bring that about. Let us look at question number four. What was one reason Judah was taken into captivity for 70 years? Let us look now at Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 21 through 27. In Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 21 to 27. Thus said the Lord, Take heed to yourself, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, Neither carry forth a burden out of your house on the Sabbath day. Neither do he any work, but hallow he the Sabbath day, as I command your fathers. But they obey not. Neither incline their air, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instructions. And it shall come to pass, if he didn't she hearken unto me, said the Lord, to bring in no burdens through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work therein, then shall there enter into the gates of this city kings and prince sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses. They and their prince, the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. And they shall come for the come from the cities of Judah, and from the places above Jerusalem, and from the land of Benjamin, and from the plains, and from the mountains, and from the south, bringing bringing burnt offering and sacrifice, meat offering and incense, and bringing sacrifice to praise unto the house of the Lord. And if ye will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day. And not to bear a burden even entering in the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof, 
and shall devour the palace of Jerusalem, and shall not be crunched. You know, it, it, it's amazing to see that added to breaking the Sabbath, to the sins of Jerusalem before the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, I want to also bring in Jeremiah chapter 7 because you're going to find something very significant here. Now, we know that the fourth commandment is embedded uh, into the Ten Commandments that is spoken on Mount Sinai uh, from the Lord in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. But I want to add to that. Um, Jeremiah 7, it says from verse 1, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house. And the Lord's house was the temple. Remember, David said, I want to build the Lord a house. And God told David, Your hands are too bloody. You're a man of war. I'm going to let your son, um, Solomon, build, construct that temple. And that was the temple that they had that was very grand and marvelous and that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed. And it said, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. So God, through the prophet, is saying, I want these people to amend their ways. I want them to fix, to, to, to correct their errors. Right? And it says in verse 4, Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, he repeated again, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, hmm, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words. Now, we're already talking about breaking commandments because we already see um, shedding innocent blood, mistreating the fatherless and the widow and the stranger, right? So we already see, and, and walking after other gods. So we already get an idea where God is coming from, um, telling the people about their sins because these are going against the very laws that um, he spoke from Mount Sinai. And it says, Verse 8, Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Now watch verse 9 carefully. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say we are delivered to do all these abominations? So notice my friends, it ain't just about being queer or gay or lesbian. That's an abomination in the Bible. It's also actually someone calling themselves a child of God and breaking the laws of God, which is also an abomination. Verse 11 says, Is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. So notice, in, in Jeremiah 17, the Sabbath is also added amongst the charges of the people of Israel. They're breaking the commandments. Hence why the king of Babylon was sent to destroy the very place that they were making a den of robbers out of. 
And this is nothing new. We also find this in the time of Christ. And he stood in the temple and said the exact same words. You make my father's house a den of thieves. And he ripped them out of the temple. And then he says, afterwards, let your house be left to you, talking about the temple, desolate. The exact same thing that happened with Nebuchadnezzar when he destroyed the temple and laid it desolate is what Jesus did in the time when he walked among his people and, lay, and, and pronounced desolation upon the temple which took place by the Romans in 70 AD. But the correlation between the two is that they broke God's commandments. Isn't it amazing? The thing is, um, I like the point that you, uh, that you brought up right there with the fact that um, confession, we are confession to be children of light, but yet we are in darkness. And this is a challenge that most of us have. Uh, we're not saying that you're not going to be struggling or you're not going to fall sometime when you serve God. But we are saying that don't be deceptive. That your nay be nay and your yay be yay. And this is the thing that most people are struggling with. Because a lot of people, there are some people that come to the church of God and they're not who they say they are. They confess to be child of God, but yet they live in the darkness. Mm -hmm. They stay away from the truth. Mm -hmm. And we find many people in the church with that personality or that characteristic because they're not committed to God's word. They have not learned to fall in love with our Savior. And when you find people like that, you know that they're only there to what? To try to deceive and destroy those who have a genuine commitment to God, who's trying to make a way, trying to surrender their life over to Jesus Christ. And this, this is the challenge that we have in our Christian walk. And it's a challenge that we will have to overcome. And it's not easy for us to overcome it because it's something that we're facing on a daily basis. And when you see people are going through these struggles, it's like the children of Israel. They are, a, they are called the chosen ones. But yet their lifestyle, they cut off an offering that is not sincere. In other words, they did not render their heart to God. And this is the challenge that we see right now. A lot of people confess to be the children um, of Jesus Christ, but yet their heart have not been rendered over to Christ. Yeah, there's a text that bears that out before we move to our next question. is in Luke chapter 6. And I just want to highlight that uh, on your point. Verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which... I say. So it, it tells us that how can we say we want to be Christians yet we don't follow the way in which Christ says to follow. And that, that also reminds me of a text uh, I'm going to find it right now and read it into record that persons who want to be in the church of God but doesn't, don't want to follow his command. That isn't nothing new. Scripture says these things will happen. I'm going to read the text right now into record. It's taken from Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 1. And it says, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread, and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. You see how deep that is? 
we can break down every symbol that was just mentioned uh, for quick references it says that in the day seven women shall take hold of one man now that even bears record to the seven candlesticks that we find in the book of Revelation and the seven churches but here women also represents church right and so here we find that you're gonna have churches in the last days trying to cling to this one man Christ Jesus and they will say let us eat our own bread now we just read what the bread represents in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 when Jesus tell, told us that we are to live by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God when Satan tempted to turn the stone into bread so the bread represents the doctrine or the words of God we will wear our own apparel so they want to wear their own clothing they want to be in their own character and this could even you could even find reference to this in the parable of the of the, the wedding garment when the man sat in this uh, wedding hall and the master of the wedding came and asked sir how did you get in here because you don't have on the apparel that you know those who are welcome should have on and he was bound um, hand and foot and thrown into the fire so we find that wearing your own apparel your own righteousness you want Christ on your terms you want Christianity on your terms and it says only let us be called by thy name so they want to be called Christians why to take away our reproach they don't want to be they don't want to be um, subjected into the names of cult and you know false churches so here they want something whereas it has a garb of light but inside is wickedness and the Bible teaches us no marvel for Satan can transform himself into an angel of light and his ministers unto ministers of righteousness so we find that in God's church there are wheat and tares in fact there's a whole parable about it there are tares among the wheat Jesus made mention that the fact that in his church there will be the righteous mixed with the wicked and is represented in the parable with the wheat and the tares and so we know that according to the story Jesus said that the enemy has planted this so the enemy has persons who are unconverted among those who want true conversion and we find this um, even in the experience of Israel coming out of Egypt you had a mixed multitude whom were mixed with Egyptians those who would have seen what happened in the time when God sent the ten plagues and they would have come out if they fed their lives and followed the Israelites as, as they were leaving Egypt and so even though they left Egypt Egypt did not leave them they weren't converted in following the true God and so what it did it made the children of Israel look back at Egypt and clamor for the things that they left behind and so because of that journey going into Canaan was very difficult and we are faced with similar issues in these last days like you mentioned because we have a mixed multitude and you have persons who are not converted and this is the issue today with Christianity you have persons who are coming into the faith coming into these churches not laying the world aside and not casting upon them the cross that Christ said we must bear and yet they want to live the life of the world and cling on to Christ which is an impossibility the other flip coin to that but in, um, also is that Satan wants these people there so that people will not be drawn to Christ mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is a it is a it's a clever plan by him to keep people from finding salvation 
let's say, let's how can you witness to someone if someone is inside the whole soul of sin, living a double standard life, and mm-hmm. when people see that, they say, oh, I can't join that church because they'll remember who's inside that church, he does such and such, or he does this and that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the members that are still growing and who are smart already. They surrender, but they struggle with certain things. We're talking about those people who's outright rebelling against God. Right, right. And they, they come in there as agents of Satan to what? To bring down God's church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have, a, we, have, we have that in our society today. This is one of the greatest plans of Satan. That's why Satan had to create, create counterfeit churches mm-hmm. and counterfeit religions. Mm-hmm. The reason for all these different religions and counterfeit um, churches because he wants people to get an image of God that will be possible to be dead God right, instead right. of seeing God as the glorious Savior that he really is. You know, it's like trying to find a needle in the haystack. You, you understand? So you, you're surrounded with so many different false churches that it's hard to pinpoint what is that true church. And God said he will have a people. And when you look into Revelation chapter 12, 17, Revelation chapter 14, 12, these are persons who are following the commandments of God because they are the remnant of which um, had remained before. So God does have a church. The question is, do we have the patience to go through the word to identify God's church and to be obedient unto those things which Christ says we must in these last evil days? The other one you want to look at is the Sabbath. We have people, we have two Sabbaths, and Satan had to make a conscious Sabbath because he wants people to not to get, come to the true Sabbath. So guess what he do? He created another Sabbath, and if you create this Sabbath, then you can do whatever you want. But he still calls it the true Sabbath. That doesn't mean that it is the true Sabbath. So God has put his Sabbath, and he has let you know which day is the Sabbath. So you cannot be deceived and taken another day for worship when God already gave you this day of worship. It haven't changed. It's still here and it's still binding today. Yeah, amen. Well, as we read in our text in Genesis chapter 2, and I um, asked the folks out there listening, please, and watching, please go back and study these things for yourself. Um, we're not trying to convince you of anything. We just want persons to take another look and consider the things that they are reading and ask the Lord for guidance as we too had to come into this truth and make decisions for ourselves. So let's look at a final question. Question number five. Subsequent to their return from Assyrian Babylonian captivity, what was the attitude of God's people toward the Sabbath? Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 22. And we want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 22. And it reads, In those days saw I in Judah, some treading the winepress on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves and laden asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and testified against them in the day wherein they saw ritual. There dwelt men of Tyre, also therein, which brought both fishes and all manners of rare and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profound Sabbath days? Did not your father stuff? And did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? 
yet he brings more wrath upon Israel by profounding the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I command that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till half the Sabbath. And some of my servants said, said I at the gate, that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and the sellers of all kinds were allowed without the gruesome once or twice. Then I testify against them, and I said unto them, Why law he above the world? If he do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath day. And I command the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, and that they should come and keep the gate to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Nehemiah did not force those outside the walls to keep the Sabbath. He simply exerted his responsibility to keep them away and to let them know they could not do business in the city on God's holy day. Forced Sabbath keeping is never after God's order. Since it is a sign of sanctification, without a life of holiness, the Sabbath is an empty ceremony that can never substitute for genuine sanctification. Go ahead, Brother Colin. We have here that the people of Israel, after being in captivity for all those years, I think it's 400 years, they still, no, 70 years, sorry, they were still wanted to break God's commandment, and they were put in captivity for the very same reason right. for breaking the Sabbath day, and yet they go right back to doing the same thing. So the question asked, you have to ask yourself, did God change? No. Mm -mm. God even came on the earth and he never once stopped keeping the Sabbath. You want to know something rather interesting? Every time God reasoned the people, guess where he reasoned them? On the Sabbath day in his sanctuary. Every time Paul goes to reason with someone, guess where he mostly reasoned them? On the Sabbath day on it, in his sanctuary. There's a reason for that. It's a pattern. It's an example that we may understand the real what God does on the Sabbath. He wants you to be able to reason, to, to observe, and also be the mind to be purified and come closer to God. Then we decide to break God's commandments and to do our own thing, like not resting. And I know we like to look at the physical part of it more than we like to look at the spiritual part of it. But that's only one part. You see, the mental part is just as much important. On the Sabbath, you need to free your mind of the burden of life mm -hmm. and when you come to God you come to God to what be reassured of salvation mm -hmm. this is to help you be focused and we need to admit it there are people in this world mentally frustrated mm -hmm. there are people spiritually free and the only way we can bring back the moral fiber in our society is we keep God's commandments that's the moral standard of the world right um when we break the moral fiber of God, we are breaking what? We're breaking down a society. Right. When you choose not to keep God's Sabbath, and we're not the false one, because I know they talk about climate change and all that, but when you keep the true Sabbath, not only do you have the perfect day of rest, and the earth heals itself, you physically, 
heal yourself. You know what I mean? Not as you, but God physically heals you, I should say. And it's a fact. When a body can rest, and I, I can I can testify that. When you rest on the Sabbath, there's a, there's a sense of rejuvenating that surpasses anything you can ever imagine. When you hear the, listen to the Word of God on the Sabbath, also rejuvenate your life physically, spiritually, and mentally. It's a proven fact. It keeps you healthy. The Sabbath are more blessing on it than you can imagine. So when you find people break the Sabbath and do their own thing, you can see it in their face. You can see the burden in their eyes. You can see the, the frustration and you can see the physical weariness. It's better to serve God than man. Amen. In conclusion, after the Babylonian captivity was over, the Jews began to realize that their failure to keep the Sabbath had been one of the causes of their calamities. So after Nehemiah's time, no more did they make the Sabbath a common working day. But their mistake now was as seriously fatal as their former mistake. They began to consider the Sabbath a means of salvation instead of a sign of sanctification. The Sabbath is of little value without the reality of holiness. My friends, we hope that this study was clear. And if not, please contact us and we will give you all of the information after the prayer. Brother Colin? Let us pray. Standing Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the spiritual nuggets that we have received today. We just wanted to touch a few things so people can get a better understanding or more clarity that they can come and know the true worship of God, which is this blessed Sabbath day. Let us all come into this rest, not only the rest of the physical, but the spiritual and the mental, that we can find peace that surpasses all understanding, and that peace is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We want to give you the glory and we want to give you the praise. As we continue to do these podcasts, we ask that God's name be uplifted and someone out there Someone will share the word and make a full surrender to our Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to email us, send us your thoughts, comments, or your questions, or any requests that you may have, to hearttoheartministries242 at gmail.com. We would always be happy and delighted to hear from you. Also, you can find us on YouTube. Type into your search engine, hearttoheart242. There you will find all of our content. Subscribe to our channel. And please click on the bell icon so you don't miss any more of our future uploads. Also, if you like the content, give it a thumbs up and share it if you believe it. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and you can find this podcast via Anchor. So, for myself, Brother Edie, and for my co-host, Brother Colin, we say, until next time, God's willing, Maranatha. <laughs>